Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 9. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9, and we're going to be in um, verses 36 through 38 this morning. As we look at the life and ministry of Jesus in the Bible, we can clearly see that our Lord Jesus Christ was one who was full of compassion. It doesn't take long for us to see that. His very purpose in coming proves His compassion. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That that is the very purpose that He came. He came to give His life on the cross of Calvary so that we all might have life. Amen. We needed what He did there on the cross. And as Jesus later pointed out to His disciples in John 15:13, He says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now we know from Scripture about many folks in Jesus' day who were very much needed, they very much needed Jesus in their lives. By the way, everybody needs Jesus, don't they? Everybody. And uh, some came to Him of their own accord. We love the stories of, of the Bible. They're true stories. How Zacchaeus came to the Lord in Luke chapter number 19. That uh, he, he, he sought to see who Jesus, who He was. And He couldn't because He was short in stature, but he, he took time to climb up a sycamore tree to see our Lord. And he wound up having a life change that day as Jesus uh, went to his house. And uh, he, his life was changed as it never had been before. Some cried out to Jesus as he passed by in his travels. I think of blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10 verse 46. As Jesus just passed by. And he, he heard that, that it was Jesus. He couldn't see. But he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he just kept crying out until Jesus had mercy on him. Amen. And others tried to get him to stop, but the Lord called for him and gave him sight. And what a blessing that was in his life. Some, there were word that Jesus went by their way on purpose. The Samaritan woman, spoken about in John chapter number 4. Jesus said that he must needs go through Samaria. He had that woman in mind. And he stopped by that, that well. And he was able to lead, not only lead her to the Lord, but uh, many others came to know Christ there through her testimony. Many with great and varied needs were brought to Jesus by others. Luke 4.40 says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. People were bringing people to him. And that's the way it ought to be today. We ought to be bringing folks to Jesus. Now in our text, we see certain multitudes mentioned by Jesus here. Let's read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse number 36. It says, But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Now, there were multitudes all around who needed Jesus as he walked the earth. And there are even more multitudes today 
who need Jesus. As uh, Brother Pledger just said, there's 8 billion people in the world and growing. When you, if you've ever taken time to go to the population meter and, and watch that thing, uh, there's a lot of folks that are being added in population all the time. Again, everybody needs Jesus. However, today, Jesus affects the lives of others through those of us that know him and walk in obedience to him. That's how he affects the lives of others. Jesus is not physically walking the earth here, but he is walking the earth in and through our lives. And we're to be his representatives on the earth. The Apostle John in 1 John 4, 17 said, Herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, speaking of Jesus, as He is, so are we in this world. Think about it. We're to have His mind. Amen. A mind of humility. Not seeking our own, but just seeking what, what, is the, uh, what He has. Then we're to do His work. The work that He desires for us to do. He left us with a great commission. We are to walk and talk as He did. We are to love as He loved. We are to do as He did. I mean, He is, he is to be our life. Jesus is our life, and He is to be our life. What I want us to see today is that Jesus wants us who know Him to see people like He saw people. See people like He saw people. He wants us to, to both have His compassion and show forth His compassion as we walk in this world. Let's notice first, notice what Jesus saw. I mean, in, in Jesus, we see the difference between simply feeling sorry for someone and having real compassion. You ever had, you ever felt sorry for somebody but you didn't do anything about it? Can't really say you had compassion, can you? Jesus saw the despair of the multitudes. Look at verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Because they fainted. Now, I don't know if you've ever fainted or have seen somebody who has fainted, but when a person faints, they're at a loss to help themselves. They need somebody to help them. And when it, when it says here that these multitudes fainted, I believe Jesus is talking about them fainting more than just physical from physical exhaustion. That's not really what he's speaking of. He's, he's speaking of them fainting emotionally and spiritually as well. These folks weren't handling what this life had thrown them in a very good manner. Uh, that primarily stems from man's greatest need. Our, our greatest need, we all have needs this morning. Everybody in the world has needs, but man's greatest need is a spiritual need. Mankind needs Jesus in their life. But the effects of sin, think about it, had rendered these multitudes, sin had rendered them helpless and in despair. The power of sin was wreaking havoc in their lives. Is that not what we see happening in our world today? Sin is wreaking havoc in people's lives and, and it's manifested in the evil that we see that comes forth out of folks' lives. In Matthew chapter number 8, just one chapter earlier, it says that when Jesus came down from, the, from giving the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that there were great multitudes who followed him. Now, immediately we find Jesus involved with people who were battling the effects of living in a sin-cursed world. In fact, as you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus dealing with them one-on-one. -on -one. 
in Matthew 8, verses 2 through 4, Jesus healed a leper. Let's think about a leper. Leprosy was an incurable disease. If anybody had any hope of getting cured from leprosy, God was going to have to do it. Jesus is God. Jesus healed a leper. Then there was a centurion who came to Jesus asking for his servant to be healed of the palsy and he described his servant as being grievously tormented. This centurion, probably a Gentile, means he's more likely a Gentile, concerned about his servant. And Jesus healed his servant. Matthew 8, verses 14 and 15, Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a fever and Jesus healed her. In Matthew 8, 16, it says they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Jesus is busy. Matthew 8, 28, Jesus cast the devils out of two men and sent the devils into a herd of swine that drowned as a result. And because of that, Jesus was asked to leave the area because people in the swine business thought their swine was more important than people. Think about it. Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8, Jesus healed a man who was sick of the palsy who was brought to him by four other men. Uh, they were concerned about their friend. And they took time to, to carry those, that one that was sick of the palsy. And Jesus healed him. In Matthew 9, verse 10, Jesus ate with many publicans and sinners. I want you to think about this. The publicans and sinners of that day were outcasts. They were the very dregs of society. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. And the Pharisees gave Jesus a hard time for having something to do with them. But Jesus had compassion on them because He loved them and He wanted to help them. Matthew 9, verse 20, a woman who was diseased with the issue of blood sought out Jesus. She heard Jesus was coming and she just saw that and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can, I, I can be whole. And she did. And then in Matthew 9, verse 23 through 25, we find that Jesus raised up Jairus' dead daughter. Well, listen, talk about hopeless. When somebody's dead, you got to have God, right? And, of course, Jesus, He's the resurrection and the life. He's God in the flesh. No problem for Him to raise up Jairus, from the, his daughter from, uh, from the dead, Jairus' daughter from the dead. Matthew 9, verse 27 through 31, Jesus gave sight to two blind men who cried out to Him. Matthew 9, verse 32 and 33, Jesus healed a dumb man who was possessed with the devil. What do we see here? Jesus is busy. <laughs> In just two chapters' time, all of that happened within two chapters. I mean, he you, you look at it and you wonder, when, when did he take time to take a break? Look at... Uh, Verse number 35 of our text here. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Listen, Jesus was moved with compassion 
by the despair and helplessness of the multitudes in his day. Listen, if we see the multitudes in our day like Jesus did in his day, we should be moved with compassion by the despair and helplessness that we see that's caused by the power of sin wreaking havoc in people's lives. You know it's true. You see them as well as I do. I remember a, a news story this was some years ago about a cow in Iowa that got stuck in a silo, and I don't know how that happened. A cow got stuck in a silo. But all the farmers around that small town came to the silo to try to help rescue the cow. And after great effort and great expense, they finally did. And I thought about how amazing it was that so many people could be concerned about a cow. Can you imagine if every believer had the same concern for the many folks who need forgiveness of their sin? Wow. Jesus saw the despair of the multitudes. Secondly, we see Jesus saw the dispersion of the multitudes there in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, were scattered abroad. Scattered abroad. The phrase scattered abroad means to be flung, to be hurled, or be dispersed. In every place in this world, there are multitudes who are scattered abroad without hope and without help because they are without Christ. Jesus knew that the folks he saw would never come to God unless they they had the help of of someone in in the same way that a lost sheep has the help of a caring shepherd. And Jesus is a shepherd, isn't he? He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd and the great shepherd. And he cares. He cares. A third thing is that Jesus saw the destiny of the multitudes. Luke 19 verse 41 says, When he was come near, he beheld the city, talking about the city of Jerusalem, and wept over it. Think about Jesus looking at the city of Jerusalem, which, by the way, one day he's going to rule from. But he wept over it at the time. And Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ is the same Savior that He is, uh, that He was there as He wept over Jerusalem. If He were physically on earth now as He was then, I have no doubt that there would be probably many cities of the world today over whom He would weep as He wept over Jerusalem. You think He might weep over places such as Moscow and Tokyo and Sydney and Beijing? New York and San Francisco, and yes, even Jerusalem again. How about Jacksonville area and Orange Park? Do you think the Lord would weep over the condition of our area? The word translated wept means to sob, to wail aloud. I mean, this wasn't a little boo-hoo. He wailed out. Jesus knew that they were headed to hell, and thus he cried out for them. People without Jesus as the shepherd of their souls are at the mercy of the world, the flesh, and the devil and his cohorts. But you know, they don't see that. They they don't know that that's the problem. An unsaved person wanders aimlessly into one dangerous situation after another. Have you thought about that? You thought about how how the Lord's uh, kept you from, from harm before you got saved? I think back at some of my life before I got saved and some of the dangerous things that uh, I was involved in and how the Lord kept me alive until I came to trust to Him. Man, I'm blessed in that. Listen, the worst thing of all is when an unsaved person dies without Jesus. 
he or she goes out into eternity to be separated from God forever and to be confined in the place called the lake of fire. You say, well, I don't believe that lake of fire stuff. I don't believe that hell stuff. Well, it's, it's real. It's real. The Bible calls it the second death in Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. So Jesus saw the despair of the multitudes, the dispersion of the multitudes, and the destiny of the multitudes. Secondly, I want us to see what Jesus said. Notice what Jesus said in verse 37. The sense saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Jesus talked about a plentiful harvest. The harvest truly is plenteous. Jesus saw a harvest ripe and ready to be reaped. Jesus reached people wherever he went and, and, and as he went. And even though he wasn't able to reach all of them, he reached those that he could. In John 4, 34, 35, excuse me, John 4, 35, Jesus is quoted as saying, Say not ye there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your, your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Before we moved here to Orange Park, we, were, we ministered up in a church in Parker City, Indiana for eight and a half years. And up in the Indiana, you've got a lot of farming going on. And during October especially, uh, you would see the harvesters out in the field. And they would be working, sometimes all night long. The reason they were working the way that they were working was because there was a limited time to get the harvest out of the field, to keep it from ruining. I was always amazed at how they kept that going. Now, Let's read uh, verse 35 again. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching in the go preaching gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Uh, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, he wrote about a generation after Jesus uh, walked the earth, but he said that there were 204 cities and villages in Galilee alone. Think about that. Each with no fewer than 15,000 people in them. A conservative estimate points to a very large population, possibly as many as 3 million. And that didn't approach the billions that we have in the world today, do we? But it was still a large population for that day. If Jesus were to speak in, in two towns or villages a day, it would still have taken him about four months to canvas all the towns and villages of Galilee, but he did it. He went about all the cities and villages. There's a well-known evangelist of our day who said these words, and I'm going to quote. He said, The evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of men and of nations is always being decided. Every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for the past generation and we cannot bear the full responsibility for the next one, but we do have our generation. God will hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age and how we take advantage of our opportunities. Unquote. Now, there are more people who are living today than have ever lived before. And it's just getting worse. <laughs> there are more people who need Christ today than have ever needed Him before. Jesus talked about a plentiful harvest. Jesus talked about personal workers. He says, but the laborers are few. 
The Lord is looking for some spiritual soldiers. Amen. We know the Marines are looking for the few, the proud. The Army is looking for those who are willing to be all they can be. We know the Navy is looking for those who want not just a job, but an adventure. And the Air Force is looking for those who want to aim high. Everybody's looking for somebody. But Jesus is looking for folks that would just be willing to do their part. The Lord is looking for those who are willing to give their all. Willing to help in the harvest of the loss. Willing to labor among those that need to be reached. What is needed for the harvest? Workers. It takes workers. Every believer needs to do something for the harvest. Personal workers are needed in countries all over the world. We heard from Brother Tim about uh, uh, trying to, to mobilize nationals in these uh, countries to reach their own country. That's a great idea. It? It, it really is. It takes, it takes a lot of laborers. Personal workers are needed not only all over the world, but they're needed here in the United States as well. They're needed in Florida. They're needed in Clay County and all the surrounding counties. Uh, personal workers are needed in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood. Amen? We need to do our part. Jesus talked about a plentiful harvest. talked about personal workers. But he also talked about purposeful praying there in verse 38. He says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Notice this is not praying in generalities. <laughs> this is praying especially for laborers to go into the harvest. I know one of the, one of the things that Brother Tim craves is, is our prayers as he goes his way. Nothing's going to be accomplished without prayer. Just, it's just not. We have to look to the Lord of the harvest. What happens when we get to praying the type of praying that we ought to do for the souls of men? Well, I can tell you one thing that happens. First of all, conviction happens. How can you pray for the Lord to send others to do what we've all been called to do without there being some Holy Spirit conviction in our own hearts? Not only does conviction happen, but compassion happens. As we pray for the Lord to send laborers into the harvest, we can't help but begin to see the world through the eye, Lord's eyes and say, Lord, what, what part do you want me to have in this? You know? It may be through going, it may be through giving. Also, contribution happens. Jeremiah said, my eye affecteth my heart. Compassion causes us to contribute of our time, our talents, and our treasure. I love the song that Fanny Crosby wrote that addresses the matter of what our concern for souls should be. We didn't have time to sing it this morning, but it's number 70 in the red book, Rescue the Perishing. You're, you're familiar with that? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Amen? Let me ask this morning, where are you going to spend eternity when you die? Listen, if you die without Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you'll spend an eternity separated from Him in the lake of fire. You don't want to do that. Come to know Christ today. Jesus had compassion on you so that you wouldn't have to do that. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? That's some good news, isn't it? It's good news that everybody needs to hear. That while we're yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
If you're a believer, let me ask, are you concerned over souls as you should be? Does it bother you that all the billions of, of people in this world are, are lost? Many of them never having even one opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God so loved the world that he gave, and he did, shouldn't we love the world enough to give to missions and to go where God wants us to go and to pray as God would have us to pray? We find some hindrances to the harvest though. Covetousness is a hindrance to the harvest. When we get in our mind what we want to do with our life, and things we want to do with it, uh, and we look to um, increase our personal wealth, that's, that's a hindrance to the harvest. Self-will can be a hindrance to the harvest. When we don't realize that we're not our own anymore, once we're saved, we've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 says. Then there's the distractions of the world can be a hindrance to the harvest. People get distracted. They get like demons. And they forsake what they know they need to be doing for the Lord because they love the present world. And then a hindrance to the harvest is also seeing seeing people without seeing their soul. When you look at uh, great crowds out and about, or maybe even on the television, as you watch news reports and you see things happening around the world, do you see those people as being souls? Souls that are going to spend an eternity somewhere? Because they are. Every man woman, boy, and girl are going to spend eternity somewhere. Jesus had compassion. Let's have compassion. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your great love for us. We thank you for the compassion that you had on the multitudes. And Lord, may we share in that compassion. May, may we be as you were in this world. Because you left us to do, Lord, your work. You've left us to have that same compassion. Lord, I don't know the hearts of anybody this morning. And we just pray that if there's one here today that doesn't know Christ, that today will be the day they come to save the knowledge of Jesus. That they'll come and let us have somebody take them in private and show them from your word how they can be saved today. Lord, those of us that are, are saved, help us to rethink our part. Our, have we reevaluated our missions giving lately? Could we possibly be giving more to see that more missionaries, more nationals, more uh, laborers can go out into the harvest? Lord, help us to to know your mind and to know your heart in the matter. Have your way in this invitation we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.